And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And welcome aboard on this Saturday, December the 2nd, 2017. It is our first program of December 2017 as we get set to close out a year that has been uh, a wild one in a lot of different ways. The gang is all here. I'm Stan the Fan from Pressbox along with uh, Craig Heist of 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C., and uh, Bonza Tufa. It's good to you got, see you, got, you, Bonza. You got nothing to say. You got Stan of Pressbox, Craig of 106.7. You got nothing for me. I got I got the fact that you've got a job. Okay, fair point. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> right? Yeah. Getting paid today, aren't you? Yeah, that's true. Right, At that's least I hope point. so. All right. Welcome aboard. It is the... No, uh, notice the qualifier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I know what we pay. Too. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, I assure you both of you are getting more than I am ah. today for today's work. Anyway, we are here to talk about the great game of baseball. And Craig Heist and Bonsatufa, we're a week away from the baseball winter meetings. And, I mean, I guess the logjam, tiny little... Things are happening now with Jim Johnson getting traded along with some international bonus money, with the A's signing Yasmiro Petit and uh, Petit. One, uh, Petit and Brad Boxberger mm-hmm. uh, going to the Diamondbacks <laughs> from the Tampa Bay Rays. Wellington but Castillo. Wellington Castillo Sox. signed yesterday a two-year deal with an option for a third. But there haven't been... One big log. I guess Castillo's the biggest log of all yet. Yeah, he's the biggest log of all, but everybody's waiting to see what happens with John Carlos Stanton. Uh, the Cardinals now, uh, he is meeting with their, their, their people, uh, and, and a lot of that conversation has to do with whether or not uh, John Carlo will, uh, will lift his no-trade clause, and uh, there's been discussions with the Giants. There's and been now dis- the Cardinals. And now the Cardinals, so... Uh, I don't expect that to happen anytime soon with him, uh, but nonetheless, it's uh, interesting that that's getting rolling because uh, there's a lot of different aspects that have to happen with that is how much money, you know, the team that does eventually get him, how much of that salary are they going to have to take, uh, that kind of thing, what the Marlins get in return, all those things have to be figured out. Yeah, it's uh, I disagree with you in one respect. I think if I think for them to have allowed uh, Giancarlo Stanton's uh, representatives to talk to these two teams, I think they must have the parameters of deals worked out, and this could come together rather quickly depending upon which team – Giancarlo Stanton nods his head and says, yeah, I'll go to them. Because I think if they didn't have the players in mind, that they wouldn't be allowed to talk to them. If that happens, I don't anticipate it happening until they get to the winter meetings. Yeah. Well, but that's – you said no time soon. That's next Saturday, Sunday. I I understand. But I'm just saying, I I think it's going to take a little bit of time to carve this out. All right. Bonson, you got a thought on that? 
my perspective, obviously, you guys have more baseball expertise than me, but it just, when it comes to Giancarlo and hearing that the Giants are the leading candidate to get Giancarlo, I just wonder, is it a money deal for Giancarlo? Because that team has been struggling, or at least had a really bad no, he, year last he's year. Get, he's getting his money wherever he plays, whether he stays in Miami, whether he agrees to yeah. a deal in San Francisco or St. Louis. I think both of those teams are pitching his representative on, well, at least the Giants. Hey, we won three World Series in the last six years, and we know we were bad last year, but we're going to turn this around quickly, and with Giancarlo, we can turn it around really quickly, uh, and they're sharing those kind of visions with him, playing for a manager who's won three World Series in Bruce Bochy. Um, the Cardinals, for their sake, I think are arguing, hey, we're one of the the most consistently high-up teams in all Major League Baseball. And, yeah, we've struggled some from a power standpoint, but we've got the pitching and surrounding players. If we add a power bat, we're right back there. And that's something the Cardinals can say that the Giants really can't, can't say. Exactly. Because yeah. Yeah. So. the Giants always struggle with their bullpen. And I would right. think they would look for that first instead of Giancarlo Stanton. So, but what we do know is that the Miami Marlins, with with if Giancarlo does stay, insist upon, and he's got the right to say, I want to stay in Miami, they're then going to turn around and get rid of, which I think they're going to get rid of D. Gordon anyway. I think D. Gordon may end up as part of this deal with the Giants, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. I think there's a shot. That's why Joe Panic's coming in the deal. Uh, but but I think if he stays in Miami, they're then going to turn to trading D. Gordon, Christian Yelich, and Marcelo Suna. So again, he's he's he can pick and choose where he wants to go. Right now, L.A. hasn't gotten into the mix, but I think he, his chances of being on a better team are with St. Louis and San Francisco than Miami immediately. Well, yeah, probably, and you know, but the who, who whoever gets John Carlo, obviously there. And, and you know, and I was listening to somebody coming in today who was talking about the possibility of him maybe going to the Yankees. You right. Know? And when you think about what that lineup would look like with John Carlo <laughs> in it, along with Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge. And, and, uh, Gary and Gary Sanchez and Bird and I mean that would yeah. be just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think that's happening anytime soon, but we'll see. Uh, I think a trade could come rather quickly, and it'll be interesting to see which team. And let's not forget that all of this could be window dressing by Giancarlo Stanton's representatives to get the Dodgers off the Schneid. Yeah. What complicates the deal to me from the Dodgers standpoint is the most perfect trade would include Yasel Puig going to the Marlins, Mm -hmm. less expensive, you know, terrifically talented guy, but a guy I think Don Mattingly might blow his brains out if he gets him. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think they they did not get along. That was like oil and and water. It's kind of like Bonza and me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It looks like, and we'll get to Shohei Otani in just a minute. By the way, our guest list today is Rich Dubroff, uh, who's going to be down at the winter meetings. We'll talk about what the Orioles have done and not done up to this point um, and what they might start to do next week. Uh, we'll also have Adam Gladstone on, who worked for the Orioles as Buck Showalter's first video assist guy. Uh, most recently, he was the um, assistant general manager at Team Israel, and the last two two World Baseball Classics and such has gotten to know 
Gabe Kapler, mm-hmm. who was with the team, part of the team four years ago or five, four and a half years ago, and Sam Fold. And both of them are now with the Philadelphia Phillies with Kapler as the manager and Fold taking a, um, a management position, uh, some type of management position with the Phillies. We'll talk to him about them and also about Ben Worthen, who just left the Orioles for the Philadelphia Phillies to join his old buddy, Matt Worthen and Andy McPhail in Philadelphia. Uh, we also today have a very special guest, lifelong Orioles fan from the Columbia area, U.S. astronaut Terry Verts is going to join us from London, uh, where he is there for, we'll find out why. But Terry has been very anxious to come on, uh, on onto our network here and chat about um, his relationship with the Houston Astros, not the Houston astronauts, the Astros, <laughs> the baseball team, and their management, and how he thinks that his lifelong team, the Baltimore Orioles, should have embarked upon a rebuild much the way Jeff Lunau did about four years ago. Uh, we'll talk to Terry Virch, U.S. astronaut, at Astro Terry, well, at 11.05 our time, which is 4.05 his time in London. Bill Latson from MLB.com joins us uh, at about 11.20, 11.25. And Dan O'Dowd is going to join us in the last 15, 20 minutes of show. An interview I was able to get with him yesterday. Talked about the winter baseball meeting and some things about the Orioles. You mentioned uh, maybe the formula that the Astros use that he'd like to see the Orioles use. Yeah. <clears throat> My way of looking at this, though, is... Uh, and granted, all last year, yeah, it was kick, a lousy year. Kick, for lousy the years, kick yeah. it by the wayside. But when you think about what Dan uh, Duquette has done here with Buck Showalter being here, and the competitiveness after 14 straight losing seasons uh, that had had occurred before uh, 2012, my way of looking at this, and and I hear this brought up with the Ravens quite a bit mm-hmm. during this stretch where they're six and five. They're in the sixth playoff position, right? But a lot of fans would not like to see, and and talk show host in this town mm-hmm. would like to see them not make the playoffs, and get a better, a higher pick in the draft, right? And, and I will always stand by and say poppycock for lack of a better term, but I don't believe that for one minute. If you have put yourself in a position where you can get to a postseason berth, you do it. Because you never know what's going to happen once you get there. And I would rather have that opportunity to put myself in a position to win a title mm-hmm. than, than not. Okay. That's uh, fair. But the case of the Orioles and the case of the Ravens, I don't think at July 31st or August 31st, they were in a position to win a title. They right. were in a position to perhaps make, make the playoffs. Play. Yeah. And I think the Ravens, are in a position to possibly make the playoffs, parentheses, if they can beat a number one quarterback other than Andy Dalton. They have not done that this year. Right, exactly. Uh, so there are there are levels, uh, you know, uh, of, of contention, and there are levels of discontent among the fans. You know, among the fans, but I will take that opportunity every chance to get to the postseason. All right, well... Uh, we'll talk to Terry Verts and see why he's so passionate about it uh, the other way. Um, before we grab uh, Rich Dubroff in just about four or five minutes, um, Shohai Otani, the, 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 the new rule in place, the was posting ratified rule was the ratified day, yeah. yesterday, yesterday, both by 
MLB and the um, the, Player, Jap- yeah. and the Japanese League. Japanese League, Okay, right. so he's been posted, uh, and the team that uh, that does end up signing him in the United States, the Major League Baseball team, uh, not the United States because Canada technically could get him yeah. as well, but uh, the team that does sign him will pay that Japanese team, the, the Ham Fighters, right. I think it is, $20 million. But they're not going to have to pay Shohei Otani an awful lot of money. They're not going to have to. And, you know, he he is a very intriguing uh, story from the standpoint of he pitches, he plays a position, he can hit. And it'll be very interesting to see whoever gets him at the major league level here, whether or not, uh, and, and I heard Adam Jones uh, on, on one of the shows, I think maybe on the MLB channel on, on Sirius, uh, was that he, from the uh, David Ortiz golf classic? He might was have on been, yesterday. Might, might have been, yeah. And he was saying, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, it would be interesting to Scott see Braun if, played if that a yesterday. major league baseball team would allow him to do that. Right. And I think there are probably a few out there who would. Well, I think they'll do it because it's the sales way, because he himself apparently wants to do it. But it's interesting. We talked to Dan O'Dowd. I don't want to give away the – I'm not giving away the whole interview. He he thinks that Shohei Otani can be a great starting pitcher Mm -hmm. or a great everyday player. He does not feel that trying to do both, he will be great at both. Mm -hmm. And I said, so suppose the Yankees sign him or, or a team signs him and they say, we're signing you as a hitter. But ten or fifteen times in the seventh or eighth inning, he comes out, he of, the comes bullpen, out of the bullpen. Right. He said, "Now, now you're talking where I think he could be successful out of the bullpen in short spurts like that." Mm-hmm. But the dedication you need to 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 give toward being a starting pitcher, he thinks that that would he wouldn't be able to dedicate himself. And I don't think it's an interesting discussion because I think Peter Angelos, for example. I know the Orioles aren't in the hunt for him, but boy, he's the guy that always says, "Well, you pay a guy eighty-five million dollars with Mucina. Yeah, he pitches well, once, once every, every five days. Right, exactly. right? He'd say, "Yeah, I like this idea that he could play the other four days." Yeah. But uh, by the way, Dan Pete, o- how did, uh, where did that get you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did that work out for you? Dan O'Dowd is is of the mindset that he can be great at one or the other, mm-hmm. but not both. Not both. Yeah, Interesting. That's a fair point. All right. Um, we're going to have Dubroff on in just a moment. Rich will be in Orlando at the baseball winter meetings this year. Uh, neither Glenn or myself or you are going to be down there. Do you expect uh, a lot of uh, logs to get loose in the log jam? I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, winter baseball meeting. Could, could be an exciting four days down there. Uh, obviously, there's parameters and stories going on that you know are outside of what the Orioles are doing but I would like to see the Orioles tap into the pitching market no matter how they I mean obviously we're not going to get uh, a big name free agent where they're going to pay him a lot of money uh, but it's those second level tier guys that you can really let, try to go out there and get uh, to kind of help bolster this staff. Let me ask you one quick question as it relates to the Washington Nationals, mm-hmm. and I know it will burn the ass of Oriole fans. Mm-hmm. I could see, after listening to a roundtable uh, on MLB Network one night that included Sean, uh, what's his name, Scott Braun, Scott Braun. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, Mark Feinsand, 
and I forget who else was on I the I need panel. to get him on this show. Mark Feinstein? Yeah. yeah he's very good. Very good. Um, I, I have a feeling that the Nationals, with their relationship with Scott Boris, they may be the team that sort of slides in and gets Arietta. It's a possibility, yeah, and, you know, he would be a good Dave fit. Martinez knows him now he from Knows Cubs. him now, obviously, from the Cubs, right, and uh, they, he would fit into that rotation. How do you think nicely. Oriole fans would like oh, that? Oh, yeah, that, that's another, you know, <laughs> all the way up with a red-hot poker, right? All right. Uh, one other note before we reach out to Rich Dubroff. Apparently, late last night, or actually early in the evening, uh, Ken Rosenthal reported it. He got into a Twitter battle with somebody who said, I put it up first or something yeah. like that. Uh, apparently the Yankees have uh, focused on Aaron Boone and have selected him to be the next manager of the New York Yankees. Not an official announcement by the team yet, I don't think. No, no no but, official announcement. But it sure seems that way. Sure, sure seems like that. And, again, uh, it's this move to – uh, managers that, well, number one, Cashman knows him. Number two, uh, there's got to be a certain uh, comfort level with the move toward analytics now. Yep. It's not so much about experience and what you've done in the past as, as far as a skipper is concerned. Otherwise, I think Joe Girardi would certainly still be there. Sure. And I think that uh, the Yankees just screwed that up six ways to Sunday as far as Girardi not being the manager there anymore. But again, uh like Aaron Boone, uh, you know, played with Washington for a while. Got to know him a little bit. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. Should be should be interesting, though. Yeah. Should be interesting. Uh, Robbie Thompson was apparently told that he was not getting that job, and he is considered to be the front runner for the Phillies bench coach job uh, under he, Gabe I, Kaplan. I'm understanding, that's official? I'm understanding that's been done, yeah. Okay. So that's an interesting move as well, mm -hmm. and one we can talk to uh, a couple people about today. Uh, joining us right now, uh, back with us, because I've been missed three of the last four shows, is Rich Dubroff of PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Rich, how are you, my friend? I am great, Stan. How are you? All right. Uh, he's back, Rich. Just sorry about that. It's just one of those things that happen. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he was told Rich sounded surprised yeah. I was here. That's he was right. hoping I wouldn't be. Uh, Rich, um, uh, news is out that the Yankees have selected Aaron Boone as their manager. No official club announcement, but since it's the topic we were beating around before we get into Oriole talk, not a huge surprise there, given the list of folks that they spoke to. Well, more surprising is the list of folks they spoke to. Uh, it's just a, I think almost any of those um, choices of the people they spoke to uh, would sound a little strange. Maybe yeah. Hensley Mullins not, or Eric Wedge, or maybe even Rob Thompson, but having... Uh, you know, Chris Woodward, who's the Dodgers' third base coach, who really had no Yankee pedigree, Boone or, or, or uh, Carlos Beltran. It, it all, it, it, it's just very, very strange to me. Yeah. The whole, uh, you know, the whole process. Because now, I mean, it's one thing if you were going to make Aaron Boone the manager of the Colorado Rockies. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Carlos Beltran, uh, the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. But putting somebody into such a high-profile job without managerial or coaching experience is, is just 
it sounds, you know, it's very un-Yankee-like. <laughs> well, it's like, it's, like I t- it's like I said to Stan, obviously <laughs> there's a relationship with Boone and Girardi. I said, but there's also uh, uh, a thing with this this thing that we've seen and, 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 the, and the momentum for hiring. It's not so much any more to have experience at the managerial level. It's how well you relate to players and, and how well you receive the re- analytics, receive the analytics and, and are ready to incorporate that into what you're doing in, in the dugout. And that's all important. Yeah, I know. I well, mean, that's, I, all, you know, that's all important, but it's just funny. I was going over the list of Major League Managers last night, and of the oldest 15, mm-hmm. 12 of them had or were on their second job, and the 13th was Mike Sosha. Of the youngest 15... Uh, only one, A.J. Hinch, had managed before. And, you know, they're going to, to, in a lot of cases, untested managers who, as you indicate, hadn't coached at the major league level or even managed at the minor league level. You know, there aren't that many guys who are being selected as managers who, you know, sort of had the traditional uh, path to, uh, uh, to managing. I mean, Dave Martinez would be uh, an exception with the Nationals because he was a, a long-time Major League coach and a long-time Major League player. But, you know, you look at uh, you know, Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia uh, was, uh, you know, certainly a, a choice that was different. And, and in recent years, uh, Scott Service in Seattle and Mike Matheny in St. Louis and Craig Council in Milwaukee are all kind of outlier choices. So it's not the game that the three of us grew up watching. Right, exactly. If not outlier choices, then the, then the definition has certainly changed. There's no question about that. I mean, the, whole, I mean, the game, you know, if the postseason, if how the postseason was managed, you know, hasn't changed, you know, our perception of the game, then we weren't watching we're talking well, we watching, but it doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> we're talking with Rich Dubrov, PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com. Rich, well, we're not in control. You know, we're not making the decision. <laughs> or the money. You're right. <laughs> you know, uh, and I, I have a lot of confidence in Brian Cashman's way of doing business and, and how he approaches things, how thoughtful he is. But this, this smacks, and I'm not comparing it apples to apples, but the feel of it is... It reminded me when Lucchino and Ben uh, Charrington selected Bobby Valentine. Mm-hmm. I said, this has got a chance to be a genius move. And it turned out to be the worst move of Larry Lucchino's professional career and probably cost him his position there. Mm-hmm. It was such a disaster. But, you know, it's funny. I, I was reading some of the New York, um, some of the, the websites, yeah. and I saw where they compared Aaron Boone to the Golden State Warriors selecting Steve Kerr. Steve yeah, Kerr, yeah. That, that's yeah. what I'm saying. This smacks to me of a move that is either going to be, we're going to look back two or three years from now and say, boy, Cashman really did the right thing, or this is one that may, in fact, if it backfires, given how much talent is there, uh, could could end up costing Cashman his, his position. It's, it's yeah, it kind of reminds me. My analogy, my my strange analogy, is it's kind of like ordering fish at a restaurant. It's either great or terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. It, 
it can't be mediocre. You know, there's no such thing as mediocre fish at a restaurant. And so this, 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 you know, this move will be either great or terrible. Well, Arthur Treacher's for years uh, yeah. made a, a lot of money as fish and chips, mediocre, yeah. mediocre fish. Go ahead, Chris. I, I got a question for you, Rich, and you've, you've done some great work this past week as far as uh, previewing the upcoming winter meetings. And you think about the Orioles and you think about uh, going out and Stan and I were just talking about pitching and what they might do and, you know, we, we know that there's not going to be, I don't think, a big free, free agent, big money type guy come in here. But uh, you, you, you brought back an in, intriguing thing for me, and that's uh, the possibility of reuniting with Miguel Gonzalez. Uh, and, and, and I think that for this rotation, especially when you have two guys like Bundy uh, and, and uh, Gosman. Uh, Miguel's situation in being with this team again could benefit both of those guys. Yeah, right you are, Craig. And, you know, it's not just me, you know, saying, oh, yeah, let's let's put Miguel Gonzalez back in the earth. The Orioles did try and get him mm-hmm. at, at the, the uh, you know, at the second trade deadline yep. in, in August. Um, and he's certainly, and, and, you know, and their move to, uh, to jettison him in 2016 turned out to be a very bad one because, uh, you know, he could have really helped the team in 2016 and 2017, even though he had an awful, awful spring training yep. in, in yeah. 2006, you know, 2016. But uh, I think that Gonzalez would be, you know, a good move, but they can't just, you know, they can't just sign two or three number five type pitchers. I mean, he's a number, you know, four or five type pitcher. They really need to get something a little better, you know, to try and get out of their comfort zone and spend some money to really try, make a genuine try at getting a hard pitcher like Alex Cobb or, uh, you know, or Lance Lynn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition for those guys. But they, you know, they really have to. I think in this case, step up and and really try hard to to convince one of them to come to uh, to, to come to the Orioles. I hate to because, give you. I you know, to... just getting you know a couple of Miguel Gonzalez type guys would be not very good. But if they could get one of those guys and Miguel Gonzalez, then you know you'd feel better about the team. I hate to give you the bad news, but I finally found somebody uh, who's got. Impeccable credentials at uh, at these kind of things. I talked to Dan O'Dowd yesterday, and I don't want to give away the whole interview, but I asked him if he were the agent for Alex Cobb, Lance Lynn, or Jason Vargas. Given the Orioles' history with the uh, medicals, how tough their medicals are to pass, would you allow your client to really go down the road of the, of of dealing, negotiating with the Orioles? And he said. Unless that were the only offer, I would not. Hmm. So, so well, that's a very interesting topic there for me. Yeah, it 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 is, and we're gonna, you know, the Orioles. As I said, keep in mind. Let me interrupt. Let me interrupt, gonna... Rich. Let me interrupt you for one second and remind you that all three of those pitchers have had Tommy John surgery. As yeah. is Miguel Gonzalez. As yeah. is Miguel Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah. So that would be a fourth. Uh, and go ahead, and Bill and Bundy. Yeah. So yeah. go ahead. I just wanted to. Well, but none but, of those pitchers, but, but none of those pitchers are costing the team 70, 60, 70 million dollars. Right. Okay. But I think that they really do have to 
you know, with what is out there now, I don't see, you know, I, I don't see them being a contender unless they, you know, get a third pitcher who can be really good. And, you know, and, and if they are serious about contending in 2018, I think that's what they, you know, they, what's that, that's what they have to try to do. Tyler Chatwood is a name now that Dan Duquette, now that I'm giving away the whole interview, Tyler Chatwood is a name of a pitcher that he picked up from the Angels in a trade when he was the Rockies general manager. He still likes very much. Do you Obviously, you've done the research and see the splits that away from Coors Field, his numbers are pretty impressive. Is he a guy? He's also the youngest starting pitcher among the free agents. Yeah, he. Um, I've talked to the people about him, and the reviews are kind of mixed. Uh, you know, you know, some people that I've talked to think that he, you know, could help the Orioles. Others think that he's just another, you know, average play, average pitcher who's not, you know, who's not real exciting. But he's one that I think I probably know the least about because, you know, he never pitched against the Orioles during the time he was in Colorado. The only time. He pitched for the or against the Orioles when he was uh, with the Angels mm-hmm. in, in 2011, and he was just starting out. Uh, you know, he would be an improvement over what they had. Yeah, but again, he's kind of in the you know he's kind of in the in, in, in the back of the rotation. I know you know a few weeks ago we talked about Ari Dickey, and you know Dickey the and there's word that Dickey may now retire and choose not to continue pitching, although that, that remains to be seen. But those guys are all okay pitchers at the back of a rotation. And I, I think if you just stack three of those guys with Bundy and Dosman, you, you know, I think you'll have a marginally better team right. than you had last year. But I don't think you'll have a contending team for next year. Well, I will say this in on behalf of people like um, uh, Chatwood and Miles Mikolos and, and a couple others in that ilk that we don't know an awful lot about. The bar isn't real high all to, to be better than what we had last year at, at the back end but, of the rotation. Co- correct, but uh, to just say, oh, yeah, we got Miles Mikolos. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, about that. I mean, I I certainly think yes. Almost almost anything they I, I think almost anything they had would be better than Jeremy Hellickson. Yeah, I think Bonzatufa would be better than Hellickson, and you know, and Ibaldo Jimenez, yeah. and and what you got from Chris Tillman last uh, year. Let's but let's, go I ahead. I think that. Um, you know, I, I keep saying you have to aim higher. Let's take a look. Speaking of aiming higher, let's look at all the names of the people that they've added so far. Um, uh, who'd they add 19 yesterday? 19 of them. Wojciechowski, uh, Goethe, uh, Percy Garman, Josh Edgen the other day, uh, Connor. What's Connor's last name? Wade? Oh, Connor. Well, he's not. He's a. He, they got him from. Uh, yeah, but I mean, well, the, they, they've, they've added 19, him. They've, they've added basically, him. Basically, what you have here, Stan, is the Orioles trying to do two things: getting players to populate their Norfolk and Bowie team, mm-hmm. and a few, you know, players who could, you know, 
potentially make an impact on the team. Not ma- you know, not many, uh, but I think you know most of the names you just mentioned, other than Josh Josh Edgen, right, are um, you know players who you're not likely to see. And I mentioned I didn't mention Ryan O'Rourke, who's a player that might fit in toward the end of spring training. No, no, uh, Ryan O'Rourke has had Tommy John surgery in May. Okay, so, so he's a year not, away. Uh, okay. Not, so you're not looking at Ryan. You're not looking at Ryan O'Rourke helping the team for so, probably the first half of. So why did they? Why did they pick up Ryan O'Rourke then? Well, because he was a left-hander, and you know maybe you know maybe in the second half of the season okay. he can be of you know he can be of some help. Okay. Uh, the one, uh, you know, it, it's really into this whole thing is really interesting because fans, you know, when you post these names, fans get all upset and say, oh, there's dumpster diving again. And they don't understand that the reason that most of them were picked up were to populate the, the, the farm team right. and not to help. But that just shows that, you know, if the Yankees got all these kinds of players or the Red Sox or any other team, their fans sort of don't even pay attention to it. It's just the right. fans here are very, very avid and, and knowledgeable about a lot of the players that are on the, uh, you know, that are on the, uh, the the farm teams because they're close to they're close to here, and a lot of them go and see Frederick and and, and Bowie play. So uh, I I think that you know a couple of them. Edgen is actually an interesting guy. And yeah, he, he really could is. Possibly he could possibly make the team because I was comparing him. Uh, I, I looked at some stats and lifetime his <clears throat> his his, his He's a left-hander, and his numbers against left-handed hitters um, compare favorably against Donnie Hartz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that a lot of these guys will, you know, some of these left-handers, and and they got, you know, a couple, and they got a couple of others, uh, will challenge uh, or could challenge Donnie Hart for a, a spot on the roster. Yeah, I had a chance to see him pitch several times against the Nationals. Does a pretty nice job. No question. Yeah, I was I, I was surprised that he was a uh, you know a mi- that he signed so early in the process uh, to a minor league contract, right? Because his numbers were you know his numbers are um, actually uh, you know pretty good. And Wojciechowski looks to me like a Triple A starter, right? Um, That's what I'm because saying he there. started you know he started some games for the Reds and he started some games for the right. Astros, but I think that they you know. They're they're looking for pitchers to start there, and I think that this that this guy is sort of that. Uh, the guy you didn't answer the name. What is the last name of Connor? The guy they traded Connor five? Wade. Connor Wade. Okay. Uh, is Wade. he somebody? Connor Wade that, is more of a I think you know again a double A triple A pitcher. Okay. Uh, the one position player that they've acquired that I noticed was outfielder Jacob Brugman. And that's Jacob spelled J A Y C O B. That's what makes him unique. He's an interesting addition to this roster, isn't he? Right, you are, Stan. He he is the only only one only player from outside the organization so far to uh, be added to the forty man roster. Right. You know, all these names that we talked about were they're all minor league uh, signings. But Brugman was added to the major league roster, and I think he's going to challenge Joey Rickard for a uh, a position know, on uh, this team for a reserve outfielder's job. He can play 
uh, all three outfield positions. His on-base percentage is pretty good. He played, I think, 48 games for the Athletics uh, last year, and he was not up during the time, during August, when the Orioles played uh, Oakland, so they didn't get a chance to see him. But he's got a little bit of pop. I mean, But, you know, uh, that's, you know, he's, the Orioles probably have two or three spots um, that are under, if they don't make any trades of position players, they have you know two or three uh, spots that'll be available: a utility infielder spot, and probably you know two outfield type spots, and Brugman, uh, Rickard, and some others. And I'm sure the Orioles are going to sign you know uh, some other outfielders. Uh, we'll be in the you know we'll be in the mix for that. Let's just I know we'll probably do it next Saturday as well, hopefully. But let's preview a little bit of uh, what's in store for fans and for in store for the media down there from an Oriole perspective. Do you see any? And, and I'm I guess I'm thinking back to sort of the trade that the Diamondbacks and the Braves made for Shelby Miller a couple years ago. Do you see any? Any way the Orioles can attempt to steal a starting pitcher via trade? Because all we hear about are these same 10 names of free agency. And, of course, there's about 15 teams after most of them. Right. Well, another another way that the Orioles can try and get some uh, free agent pitchers were from the names of pitchers who were non-tendered last night. Okay. You know, there were... Uh, you know, there are a few names. There, you know, there are a few names, uh, you know, out there that they, uh, you know, that they might. Can you give me a couple of those uh, that they may add? That they may add to the list. And you know, as soon as I said that, there was one guy in in mind who had been linked with them, whose name I, uh, whose name I've now forgotten. Okay, okay. <laughs> but how about but how about via trade? Is there? By, any- oh yeah, yeah. Via trade, the best way them to try and do it is if they could try and trade Mark Trumbo yeah. and and take a you know and get another contract right that it, it's a difficult you know yep get somebody who's got like a you know a, another couple of years left on his contract who has underperformed and see if you could coach him up kind of like a that's, better version of Wade Miley or something like right that. yeah right but that's I, I think that's that's the thing you have to do they really don't want to be trading uh, you know, they're, they're good young position players in the minors, you know, some of the outfielders, because, you know, they, they've waited so long to, to get the, the farm system going, and the farm system looks like it's doing much better now. Yeah. With, with, uh, Welling, with Wellington Castillo signing that contract yesterday, two years, $15 million with the White Sox, uh, I'm assuming that means Caleb Joseph and then Chance. Uh, Mike, I'm sorry. Craig, can I interrupt? Yeah. I remember the name. Uh, Mike Fears. Oh, Mike, Mike Fears, who is non-tendered. Mike Fears from the is it Mike? Is it Mike Fears or Mike Fires? Fire. Well, Fires. Yeah. F I Fire. Yeah. Yeah. He would be. You know. He would. He would be an interesting and also, guy. Yeah. Another name that was interesting in a relief role uh, is Xavier Cedeno, who uh, go by Tampa, you know, was a left-handed right? reliever with uh, with the Rays. Who they non-tendered, and so that you know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Orioles got him. Sorry, Craig. Okay. That's all right. Wellington Castillo yesterday, two years, fifteen million with the White Sox, an option, option for the third. For yeah. the third, uh, so that means obviously Caleb Joseph, Chance Cisco. But do the Orioles go out and try to grab another catcher here at the deadline? I mean, uh, not at the deadline, but during your winter meetings. Sure, 
Um, but it's not, again, it, it's not going to be, uh, it's not a priority and it may, it may be a minor league, you know, minor league signing. They, mm-hmm. they signed, um, two guys this week, uh, in, you know, in that whole, uh, slew of signings, one of whom, uh, had been one, one of whom had been in their organization and it's probably a, you know, a double, a, a double, a catcher. And then another guy who, uh, who will, uh, you know, probably but, be a Delmarva Frederick catcher. But, so I, I think that they'll go, you know, with maybe a, you know, maybe a fringe catcher, you know, a fringe major league guy who's kind of, kind of on the level of Francisco Pena. But let's not forget, Paris. let's not forget one other thing that uh, about 10 days ago, they added Austin wins to the 40 man roster. Right. I know right. some Still, people in the organization wins, that really like wins as a backup wins type is, of catcher. Wins is considered you know, a major league prospect, but wins really hasn't caught at triple A. Right. And triple A for a catcher can be very important because they're catching pitchers there with major league experience. Gotcha. And so I, I think it's necessary. While wins uh, is certainly somebody you want, uh, I think that, I think, let's say if Francisco doesn't do well in spring training and they want to send them down, I think that, you know, you probably want, a more veteran guy to start the season with All Caleb right. Joseph than uh, you know than, than wins because I think wins needs that uh, you know that experience at Triple A. All right, Rich, are you going to be able to join us next Saturday to preview the you know last well, preview? I think, well, well, I think so. I think so, Stan. I'm not going, not planning on going till till Sunday. Um, till Sunday. Till Sunday. So. Uh, uh, we'll be talk. We'll be talking then. All right. Thank you very much. As always, you're doing a super job. Uh, it's Rich Dubroff of uh, Pressbox and PressboxOnline.com. Have a great week ahead, Rich. Okay. Thank you, guys. All right. There you have it. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Mike. Mike Fears. Mike Fires. Fires yep. is a name that I find interesting for the Orioles. It could be, yeah. And again, I, I'm I'm really interested with uh, the acquisition of Josh Edgen too. Yeah, for this club, I think he can really help. And I think, like Rich says, he's got a really good shot at making this team out of the bullpen. Interesting. All right, we're going to take our first time out of the program, and then when we get back, we're going to be joined by old friend, our original co-host on the bat around which was adam gladstone we're going to talk to adam about some of his connections uh to team israel and the philadelphia phillies that's coming up meanwhile it's a saturday day so if you're thinking ahead and you want chick-fil-a on sundays well with chick-fil-a's reheatable chilled nugget trays you can have chick-fil-a on sunday make all your events remarkable with chick-fil-a catering trays they're perfect for tailgating birthdays Office or holiday parties. That's Chick-fil-A on Sundays, but you better act today. What we do with our lives defines us. So consider a path that gives you an array of opportunities for your future. The U.S. Army gives you skills and experiences that make you a well-rounded person. With many ways to serve that align with your goals, you'll become a stronger individual. Find out more at GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.goarmy.com slash football. There's strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. 
The latest edition of Press Box is now available. On the cover, Bo Smoka dives into the relationship between Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco and head coach John Harbaugh, now in their 10th season of working together. Plus, her in-depth college basketball preview looks at all of the Division I men's and women's teams in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit GiveTheGoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's GiveTheGoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on Pressbox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game... Glenn is joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can cater your holiday party, and now you can order the catering trays and delivery online. Go to Chick-fil-A.com and select Nottingham Square as your store and place your order. Did you know that Chick-fil-A offers the Grilled Chicken Bundle, a catering tray where everyone can build their own grilled chicken sandwich? Plus, Chick-fil-A offers chicken nugget catering trays with up to 200 nuggets per tray and chicken strip trays with up to 75 chicken strips. Call Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. You can pick it up or he'll bring it to you. That's 410-931-0031. We are back on the bat around, and again, if you are watching us on Facebook Live and uh, sometimes you're not able to watch us, we're available at pressboxonline.com slash radio. That's the way folks can listen to us, but we get far more folks that uh, watch pieces, uh, chunks of time on the Facebook Live post by going to facebook.com slash press box sports and if you are watching on facebook yes. let's hope you've had your breakfast already <laughs> i think it's fair to say that last week when i did it myself it was the best show yet all right see, see what kind of guy he is <laughs> well that's now, well, i'll see you later it, it, <laughs> now you get an understanding of what i'm up against it's true, everything though. that i'm uh, that he's involved with is the best yeah you okay. can you can ask adam he'll agree with me all right joining us right now is adam gladstone adam is Bonza Tufa the best part of this show? 
Well, he was until I didn't recognize any country music as the intro. He blew that. He blew that. He blew that. Maybe he'll have some country music when we have astronaut, U.S. astronaut Terry Verts on in the next segment. How you doing, Adam? I'm good. I'm good. Just sitting here watching uh, my nine-year-old play tennis up here at Bear Hills. And, uh, it's, you know, it's been a while talking to you guys, so I'm looking forward to talking some baseball with you guys. Well, uh, you know, do they call the Phillies the Orioles north a little bit now? <laughs> First McPhail, <laughs> then Clentac and Worthen. And uh, what do you what do you well, make of the the makeup of the Phillies uh, front office? And then we'll get to the couple people that you really well. I know you know Ben Worthen well, but uh, talk a little bit about the Phillies and their transition over the last couple of years. Sure. Well, and don't forget that you know I think it came out yesterday. It looks like Rick Kranitz is going to be their pitching coach. Yes. Yeah, I so, saw that. Yeah. Another Oriole connection. Yeah. Yep. So there's another Oriole connection there. Um, you know. Obviously, with Andy McPhail going over there, and then Matt Klintak, uh following him, and then you've got um, Ned Rice. And I forgot uh, about know, Ned. Uh, I mentioned Ben. Yeah, go ahead. And yeah, then Ben Worthen, and uh, you know Joe Jordan, and and you know, Scott Profrock. And I mean, there, there's just so many certain look in this game. Anytime you can surround yourself with people that you have a comfort level with. It's going to be a win-win, and and you know everybody that watched what the Phillies had to do when Andy took that job knew that uh, it was going to take a couple years for them to get into that position and allow them to start using some of the money, and they were going to have to go through some trials and tribulations. And needless to say, I'm ecstatic that guys like Ned Rice gets a promotion to go over there as the assistant GM, and then Ben Worthen gets an opportunity, and and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about the role that Ben's going to have because it, it certainly is going to hit on a lot of the stuff that he did here in Baltimore, but it's also going to give him the opportunity to expand his career and, and, and get into some areas that he nece- not necessarily had the opportunity to do in the Orioles organization because he was so closely tied to Buck and the Major League side on the advanced side, and then obviously he was also on the forefront of, of instant replay. So there's going to be some changes, but I think that's also very exciting for him. And he's put himself in a great situation with the direction that the Phillies organization um, is going in. Because, I mean, look, they're really on the forefront in terms of analytics. They've, you know, they two years ago or three years ago, they revamped their uh, nutritional aspect uh, of the whole organization from the major league level down to the minor league level. I think they put like one or $2 million into their organization. And then, uh, you know, about, I think about a year, year and a half ago, they started a four person think tank of non-traditional, non-traditional baseball personnel to help guide uh, the baseball, you know, the direction of their baseball operations and, and what a resource that is. And then you couple that with the hiring of, you know, as we talked about of Matt, of Ned, of Ben Worthen, of uh, Sam Fold and Gabe Kapler, um, you know, I know that there's some connections between those guys, and it's it's great to see that they're getting their opportunity. It's interesting. You, you mentioned that they're now at the forefront of analytics. I would say before Andy was hired, they would have been in the bottom five of analytics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no question, but I think the ownership group saw that they have money on board, uh, you know, to play with, and, and – uh, it's a lot smarter than I am, but I think it has something to do with the TV contract that uh, they're going to have some resources uh, that they normally didn't have. 
and they put it into how they felt it would be best used, nutrition and analytics. And uh, like I said, going with, with Ben and Sam Fold, um, and I know we'll talk a little bit about some of the specific stuff that they're going to be doing. Um, obviously, selfishly, it's exciting for me because I played a very small role in just having Ben on board with us for Team Israel, and, and Sam was a player for us. And so Ben and Sam had the opportunity to spend a lot of time together um, over in Seoul, Korea, and Tokyo, Japan. And isn't it neat to see how that plays out, you know, seven months later where the two of them are going to be working hand-in-hand. So, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of those guys and have had the opportunity to talk to them and have told them that I'm just excited for the next steps of their career. From a player standpoint, i got to tell you, coming down the stretch in the second half last year, uh, I had more than one person in, in the game tell me that this team is very, very close from a talent standpoint to be able to compete in the National League East. And, and what we saw in August and September certainly gave you that idea without question. Sure. Uh, sure. I mean, look, they're, they're, Andy, as we all know, I think is very meticulous and um, it has taken some time, as he admitted it was going to, to, to put the club in the right direction. They had a clear, defined plan. They've, they pretty much have stuck with it. And now you're just starting to see the fruits of their labor. And, I mean, we all, you know, we all remember how good the Phillies organization was for a long period of time. And it's not going to be surprising to see them be, you know, certainly uh, consistent and productive. And it's really going to be, Neat, like I said, selfishly to see the guys that I have relationships with, and I'm excited for the Phillies. And to be honest with you, you know, Buck here in Baltimore and Dan in the organization has really taken a hit that probably doesn't get publicized that much because people probably don't know what uh, the roles of a Ned Rice and a Ben Worthen do on a day-to-day basis. But I will tell you, from watching how they go about their business, that. It's a huge loss for the Orioles organization to lose a guy like Ned Rice two years ago. Oh, there's no and question. Lose, and then losing a guy like Ben Worthen this year. And, and as much as I think Dan and Buck and the organization need to take pride in the fact that they, were, they gave those guys great opportunities and a great cannabis to paint their careers, um, you know, it was time for them to, to kind of go out on their own. And I think they're going to be able to do some things that they would not have had the opportunity to do here in Baltimore. Let's move on to the uh, managerial box. Uh, you worked with you worked with Gabe Kapler, what, uh, four years ago, four or five years yeah, ago did, on Team yeah. Israel? Yeah, the first time that we put a club on the field for Team Israel was uh, the 2012 qualifiers um, in Palm Beach, Florida. Who would have thought they would have put a Jewish team in <laughs> South Florida to play some games? It was pretty good. And, uh, you know, we, you know it, you look back at it and you see that Brad Osmus was the manager of that club, and Gabe Kapler was our bench coach. And, and Gabe actually came in there thinking that uh, he was going to be a player coach for us until he realized that his hamstring wasn't going to allow him to uh, play. But, you know, to think that four years ago, the first club that we put on the field for Team Israel would have two former, you know, two major league managers in waiting at that time is, is pretty, pretty neat when you step back and say, wow. Uh, with the fact that there's only 30 major league manager opportunities out there, and two of them came from two, Team Israel in the past four years. But, you know, you, you can see uh, Gabe is a, an extremely intense guy, um, but I do think that it's going to be 
uh, a learning process for him. I mean, let's not forget that he went back and managed a uh, Red Sox minor league club for for a year, and there were some pretty wacky stories that came out of there. But he is 100% dedicated to his players. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out at the major league level. And, you know, I think um, I guarantee you this, that the Phillies organization at the major league level didn't come into spring training last year in pretty good shape. Uh, there's some added incentive to make sure that the players do come in shape this year because what's it say when the manager has the best body on the club? <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly a good point there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking to opening day, and they they announced the starting lineups along the base paths, and then uh, Gabe, Kapler gets introdu- or Gabe Kaplan gets introduced, and that's what they do. They play Welcome Back Cotter on the, right. on the board. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, look, here's the thing. This is what I do know. I do know that um, uh, I do know that Gabe, even though he, he's got a place in California, has obviously spent a lot of time in Philadelphia since he was announced as a manager a couple weeks ago. And obviously they're in the process of putting together their uh, the remainder of their coaching staff and uh, making sure that everything, you know, he's, he certainly has some some work to do to ramp up to all the resources that he has. Uh, with the Phillies organization, but I know that he and Ben and Sam uh, and a few other guys that have come on board, I don't think that they've announced yet, uh, have put themselves in a pretty good situation, and they've all bought into the concept that Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail had started about two or three years ago. Um, you know, is that going to translate into wins and losses? Who knows, but it's certainly going to be interesting to watch from a personal standpoint. Uh, so what do you think overall most impressed, you know, because you've been around them and you've rubbed elbows with them. What do you think they were most impressed with, with Gabe Kapler? Uh, with Gabe is his, um, his, is his intensity, his dedication to the game and his wanting to get the best out of his players. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, Gabe was involved certainly with the Dodgers organization the last three years and running their farm system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you heard some good things, you heard some bad things, but ultimately, if I, re- if I remember correctly, they had a tremendous uh, winning percentage. I want to say close to 600 uh, throughout their minor league system. Um, so I know how important that is to the Phillies in their minor league system. So it's going to be, I think, the fact that he was able to manage for a little bit he was a player, I and mean, we've all said this along, until you can build credibility as a manager at the major league level, you hope to have, have some type of instant credibility as a player, and Gabe certainly has that, so he understands what the players are going through, and he has the ability to have conversations coming from a player standpoint, because he's not that too far removed from it, and, and I believe that the club is, is, is going to do a good job in surrounding himself with some guys, probably Robbie Thompson from the Yan- Yankees as his bench coach. And, that's official, and by, that's official, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some good baseball people around him. And, and look, Gabe's got some good, he obviously has some good relationships in the game, so it's going to be interesting to see who he fills that staff out with. But I think, I think they put themselves in a pretty good situation. That being said, we all know it's a little bit different when the lights come on and you've got to fill out that lineup card, even though, let's not kid ourselves, with the way that the Phillies organization has built itself, uh, there's going to be a lot of input as to who's on that lineup card. 
Uh, we're talking with Craig Heist. Reminder that, uh, I mean, excuse me, we're talking with Adam Gladstone, Craig Heist's co host of the show. I was looking at you. Yeah. Whenever I look at you, I think of your name. You think Adam Gladstone. Yeah, I get exactly. it. I get it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking how much I wish Adam were here. Well, that, you. yeah, there is that. Um, but a reminder we're going to be joined by U.S. astronaut Terry Virts at about 5 after 11. Uh, Craig, one other, I mean, Adam, one other name that we uh, wanted to talk to you about was the addition there in Philadelphia, Sam Fold, who I know you got to know a little bit this past um, World Baseball Classic. Yeah, you know, I had an opportunity to reach out to Sam this week and just congratulate him, and he got right back to me. And um, I can't, you know, when, we, when I met Sam this year, he came out to Arizona with us for a mini camp. Um, he was battling arm surgery, uh, mm-hmm. shoulder surgery. He honestly couldn't throw the ball more than 25, 30 feet. And we were wondering how he was going to really be productive for us. But in a four-day period, if you remember, yep. in Arizona, once we got to Korea, he was our starting center fielder. And I think that there was only one time where he actually had to make a, th- make a throw to the infield. And, and when he did make that throw to the infield, I think our whole bench stood up and applauded because they knew <laughs> how tough it was for him to do that. But he, he is such a cerebral guy. He's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised at some point goes on to become a major league manager. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to relate to all players. Once again, he's only he's very shortly removed from his playing days, and he's a guy at five eight five nine who had to get the, everything out of his ability to maintain at the major league level and did the little things. I mean, he gave. I never like to say one hundred and ten percent because I don't think that's realistic. But he gave one hundred percent on every play in that show, and that rubbed off. He was a he was a stalwart for us. For Team Israel, he was um, a presence, believe it or not, as our leadoff hitter, and um, he can still play. Uh, but I, I truly think that with his arm, I think he realized it was time to look on some other things. And he's no dummy. I mean, he's got an economics degree from Stanford, and um, look, he's got that relationship now with you know certainly Gabe as a player with um, with Ben, and I know he spent a lot of time up there, and I know he's really excited about the opportunity, and I can't think of a better fit. For him right now, e- easy to say that maybe their biggest offseason priority is their pitching staff because of all of the young talent that they. I mean, you look up and down this roster, whether it's an Anubal Herrera, uh, Reese Hoskins, Freddie Galvis, you know, guys like this, Michael Franco. I, I mean, th- this a has lot of a, young talent. Th- yep. A lot of young talent and a lineup that has the potential to be really, really good. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I think that's why you see a guy like. Even though Rick Kranitz had been around there, I believe, prior to him being named the pitching coach, I mean, he's got an understanding, but, you know, it's a pretty good, you know, we'll take half those guys here in Baltimore yeah. right now just to be able to throw those names out there. And, you know, I, I think, look, one of the things that we've always said is Andy has put this plan together and Matt and Ned and Ben now and, and others have, have bought into it, and I think they're going to start seeing production, and I think the fact that you hit the nail on the head and, I mean, just like with any club, it's all going to go back to pitching and starting pitching and you know, give us two or three of those names to, to, to round out our rotation, a potential rotation, or insulate the rotation. Um, it would be pretty neat to have those names, but that's a testament to what they've been able to accomplish. Yeah. All right. Adam, many thanks for joining us, and uh, most thankful that you'll accept my apology for confusing you with Craig Heist. But Adam, Adam, anytime you want to come back and take over the seat again, you're more than welcome. <laughs> I keep getting threatened with that. I'm good right now, though. Thank All you. Right. And it is, a, it is a threat. Trust me. <laughs> Adam, thanks a thanks. million. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right.
We're going to take a timeout, and uh, then we'll be joined by U.S. astronaut Terry Virts in just a couple minutes. What happens when you talk to me about like that, you know? (laughs) Chick-fil-A on Sundays, Craig? I'm all all for it. Well, with Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays. They're perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. But if you want Chick-fil-A on Sundays, you better act today. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can cater your holiday party, and now you can order the catering trays and delivery online. Go to Chick-fil-A.com and select Nottingham Square as your store and place your order. Did you know that Chick-fil-A offers the Grilled Chicken Bundle, a catering tray where everyone can build their own grilled chicken sandwich? Plus, Chick-fil-A offers chicken nugget catering trays with up to 200 nuggets per tray and chicken strip trays with up to 75 chicken strips. Call Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. You can pick it up or he'll bring it to you. That's 410-931-0031. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Everyone knows that Full Circle Tire and Auto in Abingdon, that's where I take my vehicle whenever I have any issue whatsoever. And that's because there's a Full Circle difference. They understand my vehicle is my life and they know they need to get it taken care of in a timely manner and work with me to make arrangements. In fact, the most recent time that I took my vehicle to Full Circle Tire and Auto, Dave, he simply gave me a ride home personally after I dropped my car off there. That's the difference they make at Full Circle Tire and Auto. You can stop in and see them. 1304 Governor's Court Unit 110 in Abingdon. Give them a call 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS or find them on the web fullcircletirementauto.com. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KOO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No, no, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, press box, fantasy, and reality football show. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit givethegoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's givethegoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. 
The latest edition of Press Box is now available. On the cover, Bo Smoka dives into the relationship between Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco and head coach John Harbaugh, now in their 10th season of working together. Plus, her in-depth college basketball preview looks at all of the Division I men's and women's teams in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Oh, with the baseball winter meetings coming up, I thought it was going to be a great opportunity to ta- talk to Terry Virch, U.S. astronaut. Terry is in London right now, mm-hmm. and somehow we are, between the three brains in this room, unable to make contact with Terry. We're going to keep working well, on that. Well, I was going to shout out the window here shortly. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have had a, a, like, had a little horn. megaphone type yeah. thing. Hey, yeah. Terry, right. can you hear us? Anyway. Uh, All right, we're apologizing profusely but uh, because we know he's got a lot of followers. It just falls under the category of things happen. Yeah. Okay. It really falls under Bonza's fault. Well, yeah, because he, he that's works a good, the phone. Yeah. That's a good uh, backup plan. Catch there. all. I like catch, catch all. For it. Last night we find out Aaron Boone uh, becomes the Yankees manager. They have not officially made that uh, announcement as of yet. And uh, Bonza's talking. We got him via cell phone. We got oh, him, via, we got cell him via cell phone. So there he's on? Yep. He called us. We. I called him. You called him. All right. Sounds good. Joining us right now, without further ado, is U.S. astronaut Terry Verts. Terry, welcome to the Bat Around with Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. Hey, good to be there. Finally, we got a we got a connection. I, I apologize. I should have uh, rolled the dice yesterday and tried to dial that number of the hotel there in London. First of all, what are you doing in London? So I'm actually on my way to Cape Town, South Africa tomorrow. And then Antarctica on Tuesday. So I'm, I'm, this is a stopover on my way down to Antarctica. How long are uh, you going to be in Antarctica? Are you delivering Christmas presents like Santa Claus? <laughs> Doing some Christmas shopping down there, yeah. No, I'm going to be there for, uh, for eight days on the ice. Um, actually going all the way to the actual South Pole, which is pretty cool. It's what? definitely a, a bucket list item. I've never talked to Santa about this, but what do you feed reindeer? Well, Santa is at the North Pole. He's so at the North Pole. Yeah. I, I don't care. Pole. I don't care. Where, where, you know, so it's going to be warmer where you are. R- reindeer, <laughs> well, I don't know about warm. Um, <laughs> but reindeer are, they probably eat like grass and stuff, I guess. But on the South Pole, they've got penguins and uh, seals. So different, different population. Ah. All right. Well, we wish you luck. Have you ever been to the South Pole before? No, I've never been to Africa either. So this will be several bucket list items. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, I know it's probably been a long time since you've rooted for a team that's won the World Series because you're an Orioles fan. So, like me, it's been since 1983. But you, you've you been in Houston now for how long? How many years have you been down there? Well, I moved there in 2000, so I've actually been there for over 17 years now. Yeah, so the Astros are kind of my second team. They're my uh, my transplanted second team. So this year was pretty awesome. So you got to see them in the World Series in 2005 against the White Sox in the National League, and now you get to see them win the American League championship and win the World Series. I know that you and I were connected this summer by Marty Bass, who you're friendly with, and he, he said that Terry's written something uh, that he'd really like to get published, and we talked about it here, and it didn't fit our 
sort of our website. And uh, but why don't you share with our fans here what you had written and what what you're passionate about with the Orioles? Yeah, it was like you know I grew up in Baltimore. I was there for the '79 and '83 playoff games and went to a World Series game. I actually worked at the hot dog stand when I was in high school. Just and I'd like sneak out in between innings to see the just so I could see the World Series. Um, so I, you know, I'm a lifelong Orioles fan and kind of live and die with them. And uh, having moved in Houston, I kind of got to see that there's a bigger world out there other than just Baltimore. And uh, you know, I used to root for an Astros Orioles World Series, and now I have to root for the Astros Orioles ALCS now that the Astros are back in the American League. But I got um, to be friends with a lot of the Astros front office guys. And back in, I think it was 2011, the former Astros president, George Pastelas, uh now it's Reed Ryan, who is Nolan Ryan's son, is the sure. president, mm-hmm. and Jeff Lunau is the general manager. Uh, but George um, was kind of helping guide them through a transition period. So back in 04 and 05, the Astros were really good. They went to the NLCS. They went to the World Series one year. Um, it's back when they had Andy Pettit and Roger Clemens and Roy Oswalt. And they, they had a good team. Um, and the way they got that team was they sold off their farm system. And so they had a couple good years. And when when I was talking to George Fostalis, he had like a business lunch one day. and He was kind of extra- explaining what had happened to the Astros. The Astros and the Cardinals kind of started at the same point. They were both, every year they were in the NLCS and the World Series, and they kind of had the same record, no four and no five. And from that point on, the Cardinals continued to win. Like every year they were right there, and they always had a good farm system, and they just were kind of developing talent from within, and they had a young team. And the Astros just took a nosedive. I mean, they were, it was like the Orioles back in the early 2000s, not good. And he said, we're never going to get to where the Cardinals were unless we can really rebuild, starting with the farm team. And he was kind of trying to sell us and sell the community on this like extreme rebuilding plan. And the basic premise was, like, we're, we're, it's not like we're five years away from a World Series. We're never, We're ever, just never going to get there. World Series. Yeah. Never. We're never away, right, from where we are right now. And I, he, he had me sold, and I didn't have any influence or anything. I was just a guy listening, you know, talking with him. But um, hearing what he was saying, it made a lot of sense. And so the Astros went 100% rebuild mode. I mean, they sold everybody. Hunter Pence was gone. Of course, Roy Oswald was gone. All, all, everybody was gone. And But they started to draft some really amazing guys. They also started to lose over 100 games a season. Uh, for three years in a row, they lost 106, yep. 100. They lost a lot of games. It was brutal watching them play. But it was fun watching the minor league box scores. And it was fun kind of seeing, because they drafted this guy named George Springer, and they got a guy named Jose Altuve, and then they got a, you know, Lance McCullers, and they got this kid out of Bregman, Puerto Rico named Bregman, Carlos Correa. And Bregman. Yeah. Sports Illustrated did an article. It's, it's famous. Now. I'm sure a lot of your, if your listeners are baseball fans, you've seen it. The, they did it for the Royals back in, I think, 2010. They said, you're 2015 World Series champions. And sure enough, the Kansas City Royals won. And then they did one with George Springer in the old school rainbow jersey. Uh, you're 2017 champions, and of course that was the year that they were losing 110 games or whatever. Well, it's, it's, and sure enough, it, you know, it came to pass. It's amazing for me because as a guy who covers not just the Orioles but also the Nationals, uh, when the Houston Astros were in the National League, right? you knew, and I'm not so sure I knew what George Springer was all about then, 
but I certainly right. knew what Jose Altuve was about. And anybody that couldn't see, even on a bad team, that this guy was not an elite player was just missing the boat. Well, the spring, the scouts, they, he went to one of those tryouts, you know, in Venezuela. They have the the teams will come and have tryout day, and they sent him home. They're like, uh, yeah. dude, you're five foot. He's <laughs> you're five six, five, five, and five, yeah, five, six. No, I remember him and Matt Weider standing at the plate together, and it was like, you know, Matt was two feet taller than Jose. Um, but yeah, he's he's the best player in baseball. I mean, he won the MVP for a reason. Um, but the, you know, thinking of the Orioles. And I thought I listened to almost every game on the MLB at bat, and I, you know, I know all the players. And Dan Duquette is like the master of Rule Five and you mm-hmm. know, build picking mm-hmm. right. pieces for the Orioles. So I, I kind of follow the roster, every roster, every game. And I, I don't think anybody on the Orioles would would play on the Astro. Would start the position players. Trey Mancini would get playing time in the outfield, and other than that. I mean, you know, one through eight position players, the Astros are have better players in yeah, every I, position. I, I gotta, do. I gotta just disagree with you on one player. I mean, Machado would play over Bregman for me at this point in time. Bregman's OPS was fifty points higher than Machado, and okay. he, the the Hall of Fame after the World Series, they they got three items from the World Series, right? And one of them was Bregman's glove. Okay, uh, you know, I you, love Manny. You, I yeah, know Manny. I know, I know I that. Think I love Manny. Bregman was a lot better than Manny this year. In terms of OPS? If you watch him play in that, I like I'm saying, the Hall of Fame got three things from the World Series, and one of them was Bregman's glove. Okay. Interesting. No, it's interesting. Had he not made some highlight real plays. So Manny's great. You can't argue with Manny. Yeah, right. I know. Well, I think Jonathan Jonathan Scope is as well. Yeah, but he wouldn't play over Altuve. Would he play over Altuve? No. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Scope's a great player. You're talking but about I'd figure, he, but I'd figure, I'd figure yeah. them in his DH and first base. Yeah, and, 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 and Scope can also play shortstop. <laughs> well, he's not going to play. No, no, no. I know what he's saying, but I'm just so saying. So the, the point, the reason you reached out to me and you and sent that thing to Marty was you were, as an Oriole fan, you were suggesting that sort of the Orioles are in locked in this limbo where they're probably not going to be good enough to win a World Series, despite what Dan Duquette will try and sell us, and that they should really embark on something similar to what the Astros did about five years ago. So to put it in perspective, yeah. the Astros, like the Astros barely won the World Series, and it was a really close series with the Yankees. I was there when they, when they had that walk-off. Um, it was a really close series with the Dodgers. Like I said, a couple Bregman throws. The Astros have a... Um, like a Ryan Flaherty, their their floater guy who plays all positions, infield and outfield, is Marlon Gonzalez, who had a 900 OPS. I know, like unbelievable. Their bench player had I don't know four or five hundred at bats with a 900 OPS, and the they had a pitcher Brad Peacock, who was 13 and two, former national, with a 3.0 ERA. ERA, and he wasn't one of their starting pitchers in the postseason. And the reason I make these points is that, like, to win the World Series, you've got to be really good at every position, and you've got to have a bullpen, and you've got to have starting pitching that's, like, at least three or four aces. And you have to have have a lot of luck as well. And you've got to be lucky. And, you know what, you can have that for six months, and then some other team gets hot in October and you lose, I know. But... 
you know, the Dodgers were a pretty outstanding, amazing team, and the Astros barely beat them with all of these good players. And that, that, well, the only reason I say that is that um, you can't just make a pickup in free agency or make a trade and have a World Series team. You have to, like, you truly, in 2017, you've got to be deep one through eight position players. You've got to have a deep staff, and you've got to have a deep bullpen. And the, the Orioles can't get there with roll five draft picks and trades. You, you, they've got to completely rebuild the top farm system in baseball. Well, the Yankees tried to buy a team you know, for years. They would always make the playoffs, but buying the expensive old free agents just didn't usually didn't work for them and the Orioles don't have that budget and that's not even an option anyway. Well, and the so other think, the other option too is the Orioles aren't going to go the way you suggest which is, you know, tear the thing down and rebuild it back because the owners the owners just not going to do that. <laughs> Mr. Angelos won't let it happen. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe I I know he's a smart man and if they, well, you know, if you could present the case that the, the Orioles like they have the last five years have been great. I've really enjoyed watching them make either make the playoffs or win the division or you know, they they've been a very good, relevant team, but they haven't gotten to where they're gonna win a World Series. I think the reason to play baseball is to try and win the World Series. And you have to be you have to be brutally honest about what you need to do to get there. And unfortunately and the Orioles have valuable pieces like I think they really could get a lot of prospects for guys like well Look, for guys like Scope and Machado and Britton, all the guys we love, all the guys we want to see, are not going to, by the time the Orioles actually could make it to the World Series, they're not going to be under team control. You know, it's so a, it's an interesting... You could it, get a lot of prospects for those guys. It's an interesting discussion to make. You know, the Tigers uh, owner, the late Mike Illich, just kept pouring more and more and more money and thinking we're just one player away, and he got convinced by a pretty good baseball man and Dave Dombrowski, and they never got there, and Mike Illich passed away before they won a a World Series for him. And Peter Angelos, I think my mother used to to use the expression, Terry, uh, when she was in her early 80s that she doesn't buy many green bananas. Uh, that you know that it's hard when you're that age right. That's to, the say, to say uh, well, let's put some let's put a five year plan in place and I think frankly right. it's human nature I know Edward Bennett Williams before he passed away made that big bold effort of signing Fred Lynn Lee Lacey and Don Ossie because he wanted his team to be fighting for a World right. Series right and I understand that but you know like I'm an Air, I'm an Air Force guy I'm a 16 fighter pilot my old life. And one of the things, when it comes time, you know, if you're going to war and, and you got to go attack the bad guys, what you don't do is send, like, one bomb here and one bomb there and one airplane there. You send, like, your entire force and you destroy that target. Yeah. And then you, and then you send your entire force the next day and you destroy the next target. And the, the point being, you don't go halfway. Like, right. you need to go all in. And by trying to do the Rule 5 and the trade here and there, you're going halfway, and the, the irony is, like, you're guaranteeing mediocrity. It's like a guaranteed I, certainty. I hear you. Unless you go all in. And that's what the Astros, the Astros had a decade of floundering, and finally they said, look, we're, we're going to go all in. Hey. And um, hey. you know, and it's not a guarantee. That's the other thing. It's yeah. like Astros kind of lucked out. I mean, you don't, you're not guaranteed to get Altuve and Springer, and, and, you know, but they did. So you're, but, but, 
there's no gambling with what we're doing right now in Baltimore. We're, we're for sure on a not win the World Series track. And I know you're talking about you know the Houston situation, but this isn't in my mind not too far away from what the Marlins went through. Mm-hmm. Won it in '97. They wind right. up tearing it down and rebuilding it, and then all of a sudden in '03 they're back at it and they beat the Yankees. Yeah, right. With a well, young with a young team. And, young you know, frankly, team. baseball is a young man's game. Yeah. Uh, it, the teams that win the World Series are young, and the the free agents have, you know, they have star power, and people hear their names. But the Astros, and I'm I'm good friends. The guy named Sigma Doll actually used to work at NASA, and uh, Jeff Lunau, who used to be the Cardinals general manager, came to run the Astros, and he brought Sig with him. And uh, they in their in their front office, they've got whiteboard after whiteboard after whiteboard and there's just equations everywhere it's just like a mathematician's room and there's a big giant poster it says in god we trust all others must bring data that's right <laughs> so so they got us started you know they're the reason why chris davis bats 200 because now everybody shifts them ridiculously right, right? and right. uh they've just they've that, they're the reason they got a guy named colin McHugh because they set up all these radars and they realized that his curveball spin, his 2,500 RPMs or whatever it is, was so much better than everybody else's. And so they got this guy with a really bad ERA and a losing record. And they said, you need to start throwing your curveball more. And all of a sudden, he's like he's winning a 20-game winner for yep. the Astros. Yep. So they, they really, this was four or five years ago, they, they really got the data mindset to not be enamored with you know a free agent or whatever. They kind of looked at the, the hard data to try and make smarter decisions. The problem is, like Moneyball back in 01, 02, 03 with, with Billy Bean and the A's, that was new. And so the A's could ha- could gain a competitive advantage by doing Moneyball. But now everybody everybody else figured it out. There's no more competitive advantage. Yeah. So Hey, I've got one more question for you, because we, we and we hope this is the first of uh, many visits that we can grab you from yeah. time to time around the globe. Um the New York Yankees uh, signed an unconventional choice last night. Uh, Aaron Boone is going to be their new manager. Ken Rosenthal, who I'm sure you know oh, of, wow. Ken, Ken wrote that the, in his 30 years covering baseball, this is the chanciest decision he's ever seen by a major league team in naming their manager. Um, how does that hit you? Aaron Boone never managed the minor leagues, never managed in the major leagues. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, that's that's a surprise. Frankly, I don't know him, you know, as a person, so I can't comment on his managing skills. Um, I think a baseball manager is is a different beast than like a basketball coach or a football coach. It, it, there's a mix of X's and O's, and but it's also a lot personality. So I think that decision is going to really hinge on, or the success of that decision is going to hinge on. Aaron's ability to you know run the clubhouse and manage it and keep keep all the all the cats hurt, headed in the right direction. Um, so that's a really interesting. I hadn't heard that. I'm yep. of course I'm over here in England, <laughs> not paying attention. But uh, sometimes un- sometimes unconventional is a good thing. Yep. I mean, you know, and the Astros hired AJ Hinch, who had he had had a rough time at the Diamondbacks a few years before, uh, and then it just. Like now, it really worked out. In the last couple of years, have gone. It worked out, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure it'll generate lots of articles and, and 
talk. Hey, Terry, I know it's an offset uh, phrase, but uh, and I know it's not at the front lines, but we appreciate your service to the U.S. as an astronaut, and uh, we wish you well on your trip to the South Pole and first to, <laughs> uh, to South Africa, then to the South Pole, and we'll reach out to you into the new year, and uh, maybe around spring training we'll grab you again. All right? Hey, I, I love I love talking Orioles baseball, and I'm over here. I'm actually talking about my book. I have a book called View from Above that uh, is uh, is my day job. You know, baseball is kind of my my uh, side. I, I apologize. How can people buy a copy of View from View from Above? View, View from Above. It's on Amazon. It's at local bookstores. It's at Barnes and Noble. Kind of wherever books are sold. It's a great. It's like a. It's a uh, combination of photographs. It's a National Geographic photography book, but also stories from space you know what it was like to be in space and um it's cool it's a great it's been a lot of fun it just came out last month and it's been it's done super well so it's a it's a great book all right. not exactly baseball although i did i did a, a twitter thing i tried to get a picture of every major league stadium uh while i was in space and we had a little <laughs> competition going on so that was fun hey have um, you one last thing and by the way you can follow terry uh at at Astro Terry, and that's short for right. astronaut. Not that he's a bigger Astros fan than Orioles fan. At <laughs> no. Astro Terry, have you you've flown past the South Pole before, haven't you? You the station orbit goes about fifty one degrees north latitude down to fifty one degrees south latitude. So I could see you could see Antarctica it. in the distance, like you could see mountains or a little bit of ice, but we actually did not go over the pole. So this will be my first time ever seeing that. All right. Well, listen, best of luck on the trip, and we'll talk to you shortly into the new year. All right, Terry? Yeah, I can't wait to talk Orioles, and hopefully I'll be down at Edson Stadium in March. And uh, Oh, that's great. Uh, looking forward to counting the days already. All right. I'll look forward to meeting you sometime, all right? Thanks very yeah, much for it. taking the time out to do this, okay? Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. All right. There you have it, Terry Verts, U.S. astronaut. Very interesting, and you know, I, I don't agree necessarily with all aspects of what he's talking about. Yeah, in but he's well informed. Oh, no, there's yeah. no question he's well yeah. informed. But again, I go back, and I'm 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 a lot like you in some aspects in terms of being the old school guy, mm -hmm. baseball related. And I don't think a lot of times that tearing it all down is the way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly not going to ever see it while Peter Angelos is yeah. with us. And, uh, you know, he, he look, I've been as critical of Peter as anybody, but I, will, I, will know, I know that he wants to win, you know. Yeah, and well, he's you know, that's, very competitive. It's so funny. People always ask me, and I do obviously have covered Baltimore and Washington mm -hmm. corridor. Uh, for for 25 years, and people always ask me, what's the difference between Peter Angelos and Dan Snyder? Right. And I always tell them, I said, Peter really does want what's best for his team. He wants what's best for his city, but I don't really always think he knows how to go about yeah. getting it. Yeah. I said, Dan Snyder's just a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. And, you know, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, and I and I, I will I will say it to this. Till the day I'm no longer here, they will never win a Super Bowl as long as, as that man owns, owns that owns team. All yeah. right. But what do you really think of Bill Latson? Well, I don't think I don't think the Giants. Uh, well, see, Bill's part of the reason Eli Manning got benched. <laughs> was it his decision? It was his decision. Okay. <laughs> How are you, Bill? <laughs> Doing great. It wasn't Eli Manning was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not going to get any kind of argument from me that on that. Was, that was a, especially 
I could see if they were going with a young quarterback that's an unknown a little bit to, to bench Eli Manning for Geno Smith. That is especially be. what's the, the best part about that for me is the fact that everybody in New York knows what Geno Smith is all oh, about. God. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. not like he played for Tampa. Let me ask you, Mr. Yankee, uh, Aaron Boone going to get the Yankees managerial job. Good move, bad move. I think it's a good move. I mean, it's obvious what the Yankees want, and this is a trend we're seeing that you don't have to have managerial experience to get this job. And I think, um, I just hope that Aaron Boone is not going to be a yes man. Like, go, he goes by everything, you know, what the GM tells him to do. So, um, you know, I think it's a good move. You know, he's a great guy. And he's going to have great communication skills. And that seems to be what they want. And, uh, but, you know, we got to see what happens. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a great manager. I just know that he has great communication skills. And he knows how to deal with the New York media. There's no question about it. Well, so, uh, that's, that's that's a part that of it. That's certainly a part of it for me in terms of being able to, and I never saw anybody. I, I told Bill this several times. When Buck Showalter was the manager of the Yankees, and he would come into Camden Yards with the Yankees, and we'd go into his office to talk, he was so guarded in what he said and a lot of that was because of the situation he was in with you know george steinbrenner owning the team and things Mm -hmm. of that nature uh but once once when when buck left and obviously he became a different kind of manager that you know as we know for with the diamondbacks with the orioles right uh but for me the one guy they could not have found a better person than joe torrey to be able to handle players, the media, and be as savvy as he was. And that, to me, Bill, was probably one of the bigger reasons for the dynasty in New York than maybe some of the players. It was just the way that, did Joe, I mean, that uh, Joe Torre handled things. Yes, that's true. And, you know, like, there was hardly any controversy under Joe Torre. I mean, if, they, if there was a controversial incident, it was usually, you know, kept under the rug. And that was because of Joe Torrey. So there's no question that uh, you, know, you have to be savvy. And I think uh, you know Aaron Boone will do that. Well, we were talking about Kenny Rosenthal, uh, who writes for The Athletic now and also is part of uh, MLB TV Network. Uh, but he talked about the hiring How's of How does that work out? How do the A's pay him? He works for the Athletics. Not now. that Athletic. Oh, uh, the yeah, Athletic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but Aaron Boone, the, the hiring of Aaron Boone, uh, Kenny said, in his 30 years of covering Major League Baseball, this might be the riskiest hire that he's ever seen. And, uh, you know, it's certainly... Yeah, do you view it that way you as it a that risky way? hire? No, I don't. Um, I thought they were other riskier hires. Um, you know, Robin Ventura, he didn't have any, any experience. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to me, Gabe Kapler is a risk. Even though, okay, he's in the front office, I, you know, there's no proof that he can manage. But, Bill, I guess, so the di- I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but i got to throw in the difference that, that Kenny's uh, sort of implying in what he's saying is to turn over the White Sox the way they were or to turn over the Phillies the way they are is not much of a risk. When you turn over a team that was one game away from making it to the World Series, you're giving the keys to a Porsche, not a, a 1968 Pinto. Dodge Duster or something <laughs> like that. You know. 
Yeah, but I, I think uh, what they see is, what the Yankees see, is that he knows how to deal with the New York media, which he, mm-hmm. he was as a player. Mm-hmm. So um, you remember his career uh, with the Yankees ended because he played basketball and he hurt his knee. So, I mean, this guy knows how to deal with all that stuff. You, you know, if I had to compare him to Bob Boone or even Brett Boone, I thought that uh, Aaron Boone was uh, not more honest, but I thought that he was forthcoming in telling you how he felt and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think uh, the Yankees know what they're getting into here, and I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to say they made the right decision because we're not going to know that until October, but uh, I think it's uh, it's a good decision. I asked uh, Craig Heiss, because he's covered him for the past couple of years, if Dusty Baker were called by Aaron Boone to come there and be his bench coach, do you think there's any chance Dusty Baker would do that? No. I think... Uh, That's what Craig said. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't even think Aaron Boone would ask Dusty Baker. So who because... would who would be a good fit there as his bench coach? Somebody that might bring some wisdom that he doesn't have. Is Eric Wedge a good a good possibility? No way, man. No way. I mean, I mean, you talk about guys who haven't won. No way. I think he's going to get guys who he's familiar with. I think you're drawing, you know, you're drawing up straws by mentioning Eric Wedge and all those guys. I think uh, maybe uh, Carl's Beltron because he has Yankee ties. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But uh, you know, I, yeah, I was. I thought of this. I wouldn't surprise me if they brought in uh, Bob Boone. It would surprise me. Yeah, maybe that would be that very. That would be very interesting. But and you know, when you were talking about uh, Aaron, I, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. I love was, Bob Boone. Uh, you know, what a what a great form of you know baseball family. The knowledge and the relationship that those two have. I mean, that would be a good fit. Right and. Uh, you know, I know the Daily News, the New York Daily News, had something about maybe Brett Boone joining. I just think uh, Brett Boone has too much garbage. Yeah. Uh, you know, going on with him, and uh, I'd be surprised if the Yankees would allow that. That's uh, what makes every. That's what makes Bill and myself attractive to a lot of people. We've just got a lot of garbage going on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Bill. Um, mm-hmm. Big story. Two big stories going on in baseball, and we're a week away from the baseball winter meetings. Uh, Shohei Otani was finally posted yesterday. Uh, where does he end up? And does the team that ends up signing him are they going to have to agree to let him be a starting pitcher? And a starting hitter? It seems that way. Um, you know, I know the Yankees are really big on him, on Showtime. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, but you know, to say where he's going, I, I don't know. It depends on, you know, the, the letters that each team wrote to him and his agent. I, I You know, I, I don't know there, where he's going to go. There was a... I just know there was a theory put out the other day that's starting to make the rounds that Otani might prefer, and this might bode well for a team like Minnesota, that he'd like to go somewhere perhaps where there's not another Japanese player that's been established so he could sort of set his own path rather than be, oh, he's the other guy, the other Japanese guy. Yeah, I realize that, but, you know, again, when I hear stuff like that, I always say, don't underestimate the Yankees. It would not surprise me 
if uh, they did find him. I mean, uh, they, they're trying to go all the way now. So, it, you know, I think they'll go all out to try to get his services. Interesting, uh, you know, scenario. And, and one scenario that we brought up that, yes, starting pitching, but also if this guy is determined by whatever club gets a hold of him that he is better as an everyday player, that club can also use his uh, ability out of the bullpen on a day or two during the week. Well, let me ask you this, Bill. I had Dan O'Dowd on on an interview that we're going to play after we wrap up with you. Um, I got him yesterday. Dan O'Dowd says he thinks that Otani could be a great starting pitcher or a great everyday player. He doesn't think he can be great at both. I then posed the question, so suppose a team signs him and says we're going to make him a hitter, but yet 10, 15 times a year – they bring him in in a key moment in a in a game, uh, sort of without taking him out of the game, where he comes in and pitches to a couple people. Uh, he said, "Now, as a relief pitcher, I could see him doing a good job and being a hitter." But he sort of implied that the 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 need to dedicate yourself to being a good starting pitcher or a great starting pitcher that that won't go with being an everyday player. Your thoughts? Well, I, I, you know what, I can't say either way. And, I, and, you know, well, Babe Ruth, I mean, I know this is the 1920s, but Babe Ruth was a good hitter and a good pitcher. Well, you, and, were, you uh, were around then. <laughs> no, I wasn't, yeah. But, but seriously, I mean, I, I just think uh, it's too early to tell. Um, I'm sure, you know, the way the, the game is run today, I'm sure he's going to be better at one than the other. I'm, I'm sure of that. But, I mean, I think it will be it will depend on what he does during spring training. If he does well at both, I can see him being used as both. You, you go back to that. A starter and a reliever. You go back to that Aaron Boone hiring. Yeah. Uh, we, we were talking about with Ken Rosenthal, uh, what he said about that. He says, but uh, from Joel Sherman of the New York Post, he said that Cashman's hiring of Boone is, in quotations, the gamble of his life. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. So it's interesting. Uh, hey, Bill, before we let you go, tell me where John uh, Carlos Stanton's going to end up. Well, based on what I've read, it seems like it's going to be the Cardinals or the Giants. And, uh, you know, as you know, the Barrels have talked to both teams. Uh, I don't see him going to Los Angeles unless Giancarlo says, you know, we know that Giancarlo has, you know, has all the autonomy to go anywhere he wants. Yep. Because he has a no-trade clause. And he's from L.A., but I see him going to either San Francisco or the, the Cardinals. I just don't see the Dodgers giving up a lot for a guy. He's great. But I don't know if I would give up the whole farm system just yep. to uh, to get him. I think he's going to either the Giants or the uh, or the Cardinals. Or the Cardinals. Well, yeah. the difference between the two is the as we said earlier today, the the Giants need to fix that pitching staff before they do anything else. And while it would be great to have John Carlo in a Giants uniform for Bruce Bochy, 
uh, he's not going to be the thing that gets you over the top. It'll be that pitching staff. Well, remember remember one thing, though, about the Giants last year. They missed Madison Bumgarner for about 75 80% of the season. Yeah, but that that didn't cause them to lose 100 games. No, I think more so than anything else, their lack of an offense caused them to lose. So if they they could trade for him and then sign Lorenzo Cain, that team's a lot better than they were last year. Yeah, but I think, I, think, I think with the Cardinals, though, you have a lot of there, that in there, place there's already. There's a lot of that yeah. in place, no question about it. Yeah, the Giants are trying to get rid of like a lot of their outfielders that they had last year. I mean, yeah. they're disappointed in Denard Span, as you know, Craig. Yeah. yeah. And uh, things are going to change from an outfield standpoint for that team. So well, it's just, it's the offense sh- played, a ro- played a role. It's a shame because, as you know, you and I know Denard pretty well. Uh, and and just his inability to stay healthy really is a a major major thing when it comes to him because he can if if he's healthy he's a good leadoff hitter and gosh knows he can go get it with the best of them. Hey Bill, well, de- go ahead. Defense, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say defensively, Craig. The, the Giants think he's been pretty bad. So uh, yeah, he's uh, that's shocking, as you know, because he was great. With yes, the, he uh, was with the Nationals, but uh, with the Giants, he has not been. And I think he's still maybe bothered by that hip injury he had. So we'll see. Hey, one last quick question. You do agree with me that for both the Cardinals and the Giants to be allowed to talk to his representation, they have basically agreed on trades, the, the parameters of deals, correct? I would, I would say they have. Uh, yeah. But uh, it depends, too, on how much money is going back, for example, how much will the uh, Marlins pay? Right. If they do, uh, you know, pay, you know, they do trade Giancarlo, I think that has a lot to do with it, too. No and question. And, and, yeah, and how much the, the team that gets him, how much and, of that contract uh, they have to pick up. All right. Bill, many thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the winter baseball meetings. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. We're going to take one final time out on the program. And uh, then we'll hear uh, an interview I was able to record yesterday from Dan O'Dowd. Stan the Fan, Craig Heiss, Bonzatufa. We'll continue after these words. Everyone knows that Full Circle Tire and Auto in Abingdon, that's where I take my vehicle whenever I have any issue whatsoever. And that's because there's a Full Circle difference. They understand my vehicle is my life and they know they need to get it taken care of in a timely manner and work with me to make arrangements. In fact, the most recent time that I took my vehicle to Full Circle Tire and Auto, Dave, he simply gave me a ride home personally after I dropped my car off there. That's the difference they make at Full Circle Tire and Auto. You can stop it and see them. 1304 Governor's Court Unit 110 in Abingdon. Give them a call 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS or find them on the web fullcircletirenauto.com. Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section 336 for 25 years? Well, yeah, 25th anniversary of Canham Yard. Yeah, we've been in Section 336. 336. Well, I mean, technically. Are we? Well, technically we're in 334. No, no, no. Section 336. We're in Section 336. Yeah, like our podcast, that's who we are. We're section 336. Every Monday night. It's Every Monday night, yeah. But, you know, when we go to the stadium, we tend to sit in 334. But the ticket's screwed up. We're just, we can touch section 336. I walk past, I say hi to Ryan in section 336. Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles because we always do here on the show, section 336. Yeah, so section 336. Section 336. That's where we are. Just lie to him. That's Press us. box. Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or by going to iTunes or Section336.com. 
Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to Job and Out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's Jobbing Out, Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. PressBox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on PressBox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com football. There's strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. Dan O'Dowd, former general manager of the Colorado Rockies and now an MLB Network analyst. How are you, Dan? Stan, how are you? Great I'm to do- have you again. It's so nice to reconnect with you, buddy. It is. It's always a pleasure to talk to you because we do go way back into the early 80s in Baltimore and Memorial Stadium, back when you were on the business side of baseball, which I'll bet you now that you're an, an analyst on, on MLB Network, that really helps that business side experience well, you had that as general manager as well, but that's so much of the game today, isn't it? Actually, Stan, that experience helped me throughout my entire career, really understanding what everybody else did. Um, you know, and the blessing I had with the Orioles back in the 80s, I did everything. I started in sales, ticking sales, and marketing, community relations, helped with Bob Edward build the broadcasting network, via the radio broadcasting network, negotiate the first um, cable deal. I mean, with HTS, I mean, it was just a wonderful experience for me. And I really, honestly, it laid a great foundation for me to really understand the game from the inside out. Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Maybe you can identify what are some of the market forces as we're a week away from the winter baseball meetings that have slowed things down. There looks like a tiny little log jam may be getting released right now with a couple deals over the last couple days with relief pitchers, Boxberger, Pettit, 
and uh, Johnson trades and signings. What do you think has been behind the slow market so far, Dan? Yeah, I think there's a number of things. Um, you know, one, I think Stanton has played a role in it. Uh, it's a unique to have that kind of player available in the market ever. Um, you know, number two, Otani, I think, has played a huge role in it as very rarely you get a chance to get a shot at this type of player in the financial position he would put you in, which is, other than the posting seats, um, fear you're getting him at minimum dollars. And then on top of it, Stan, maybe the most important part for me is that clubs are just, there are so many teams that are filled with smart people <laughs> that are studying historically uh, free agent contracts. It's not a pool that you want to swim in that often. Um, you really don't want to go there unless you have to. And I think clubs are really being smarter about, you know, the type of dollars and commitments they make um, to these type of guys. And, you know, I think they've become very hesitant right now to meet the asking price that have been put out there, I'm sure, by their representatives. And not that I want to spend a lot of time on our, our short window here talking about it for this year, but does that look like a major market correction that's going to have – uh, to be addressed the next basic agreement between the players and management? No, because I think you'll see next year's when I, I think it's all about the quality of the players. Okay. You know, when the Manny Machados and the Bryce Harpers and the Michael Trouts and the Josh Donaldson and those kind of players hit the market, there'll be clubs that'll spend a huge amount of money to bring those particular players in. I just feel it's that next step down player right now. Stan, and hey, the new CBA with the you know the luxury tax has played a role in it. Those clubs that are currently payors into it, they don't want to become second and third time payors because the penalties are, you know, extremely exorbitant for them to deal with financially. So I think all those factors and you know Scott Boris represents. I was ju- I was just getting there. The Go ahead. Too. Yeah, he's got J.D. And, Martinez, you know, Arietta, Hosmer, and Mustakas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he controls really this class of free agents. And, he historically is a guy that takes his time working through the process. Uh, he sets asking prices out there, and he does a thorough job of explaining why he does what he does. And, you know, he doesn't come off those numbers very easily. Hey, we're fortunate enough to have you the day before. We're taping the day before we go on the air. The Stanton rumor is that the Giants would give up second baseman Joe Panic, a solid player, and prospects Chris Shaw and Tyler. Is it Tyler Beatty? Is that how you pronounce Tyler Beatty, it? Kid yeah. from Vanderbilt, the number one pick from Vandy. Yep. Now I understand that uh, apparently the Giants would take on about two hundred and fifty of the two hundred and ninety-five million. But are Shaw and Beatty prospects that that make this deal make some sense for Miami? In light of the type of money the Giants are taking on, absolutely. I mean, though the Giants system is not uh, flush with what you consider high-end prospects, Beatty is number one. And I believe Shaw's number three uh, in their rankings. And uh, Beatty's got big time upside. Stan, like with any young pitcher, you don't know until he begins to, you know, mature at the big league level. Shaw has got a ton of power. He's really a first baseman. He's stuck behind Brandon Belt. Um, but they're legitimate guys. I mean, they're guys given an opportunity could be solid contributors or, or perhaps even better. I'm not understanding the panic fit at all for the Marlins. To me, if you're going to make a trade of Stanton, you've got to really, you're in a rebuild mode. So for me, a Christian Royal, you know, another young player, mm-hmm. that I think is their second best prospect in their system would be a better fit. 
because you're now looking more down the road than you are in 2018. Help me understand something with Otani. How have the teams like the Twins and say the Rangers, or I guess every team that I that you you read attached to him, how have they scouted Otani? Do they have scouts that they've sent over to watch him? Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, people have a, a full staff of uh, what I'd call far, far Eastern scouts. So they scout Korea, Taiwan, and Japan, but mostly Japan. I believe the Rangers haven't missed, or even the Blue Jays for that matter, hasn't missed one of the last 20 starts that he's had you know, at the big league level. And uh, I think all the teams that have interest in this guy have scattered him heavily. Now, 2017 is problematic because he hardly played. You know, right. he had 111 at-bats, and he only had 25 innings pitched. So you really would have done your work on him prior to this year to get a really good feel for what you're buying. Have you seen some video of him as a hitter? As a hitter. I know as a pitcher, it sounds like yeah, you can't miss. I, I believe, here's my issue with Otani. I, I believe he can do both very well, um, but I don't think he can be exceptional in either unless he commits to doing one mm-hmm. or the other. From an offensive standpoint, he's got some Bellinger in there for me. Um, Strikeout rate's a little high. He's 23 years old and never really committed to hitting. He does have good eye-hand coordination. He's an exceptional athlete. Uh, his power works to all parts of the field. So I believe if he said, listen, I'm going to commit to being a full-time position player, he's got a chance to be an all-star. I believe he's got a chance to be a top-of-the-rotation starter. Uh, I think he's got a Jacob DeGrom trying to give you a comparison yep. and that kind of stuff. I'm just not sure he's going to hit the ceiling of either of those roles unless he commits to one or the other. Dan, suppose a team says we're going to commit to him as a hitter, but every once in a while, 10, 15 times a year, if you get into the seventh or eighth inning, he could come in to face somebody. We've never really seen that attempted. Do you think right. that could that could work at I, all? I, Stan, I think it has a chance to work as a reliever yep. more than it does as a starting pitcher. Um, the problem this young man has is that, you know, it's a blessing in the fact he's so gifted and it's a curse in the fact that he's so gifted mm-hmm. um, because, you know, he's looking at himself saying, well, you know, I could do both. But the reality of it is if he's going to be a true number one, which he has a chance to be, he's got to commit to that. And that's where he has a chance to make his most money and most impact in the games on the mound. All right, we're talking with Dan O'Dowd of MLB Network, former Rockies general manager. I want to move over to the Orioles. Uh, Dan Duquette, who I know you know pretty well, uh, yep. had, a, had a chat uh, yesterday on the, uh, the hot stove talk with uh, yep. Rockabotko. It sounds now like Britain is going to stay an Oriole unless they're overwhelmed. Is that more a situation you think that, that he's just not as valuable because of the injuries in 17, or if he were totally healthy, they might really be able to get a really good package for him. You know, Stan, you and I have talked about this in the past, and Dan's interview made it very clear, which I think is great. Yep. Uh, he was totally transparent, and I think people in positions of leadership get a lot more of doing that than being vague. I mean, they want to win. And if you want to win, having that guy healthy and closing mm-hmm. and backing up your bullpen makes your search for starting pitching so much easier because they can go attack a guy, for example, like CC Sabathia, then who actually has been you know was really good for the Yankees last year, but 
maybe at a stage of his career be a great fit for the Orioles because he doesn't necessarily have to face that line at the third time consistently, start in, start out if they have that kind of bullpen. And so Dan made it very clear they're trying to win. They feel like they're open. Their window's still open to win. They're going to add to the club to win. If they're trying to win, it's very difficult to move a guy like Zach Britton, even if he was coming off of a phenomenal year last year, not a inconsistent year because of his injuries. We could talk all day about Machado. I'm going to leave him off to the side because I don't think the Orioles are going to do anything really soon on that. But I've got to ask you, his comments about scope, where he said that's a discussion for another day. We want Jonathan Scope here during his main years of his career, and we're seeing that right now, but that's a discussion for another day. Why let Jonathan Scope perhaps become a $200 million player uh, if he has another monster year this year rather than try and tie him up now as a $120 million player? um, The way I read that, though, Stan, was maybe that's just Dan wants to get through the heavy lifting of the winter first. Okay. And then in the spring where a lot of these contracts get negotiated, these extensions get and get done with the players you control. So I read I read into that that that's when they'll approach him okay. about a multi-year extension. I didn't read it the same way you did. Maybe you're right and I'm not. No, maybe uh, you're right. But I do I'm believe not. that they, they need to start locking up some of their younger, good core players because, you know, it's really difficult when they reach the stage that Manny Machado and is that to be able to retain them because they're getting so close to free agency at that point in time. Hey, some of the big names on the free agent market is starting pitchers. Alex Cobb, Lance Lynn, Jason Vargas, they've all had Tommy John surgery. If you're the yep. agent for any of them, do you allow Peter Angelos to get to the point that you're close enough to even sign where he pulls you in for that, that uh, physical that is so tough for the Orioles to uh, get people past? No. So, so you you would agree with me that Cobb, Lynn, and Vargas don't even their agents can't look at the Orioles as serious players, unless they have no other options. Unless okay. the market's not there, and the Orioles are certainly then the highest priced opportunity that's out out there for their client. But beyond that, that would probably be the last resort I would go to, unless I could have an in, independent arbitration review of my client's uh, elbow. Just a couple more questions. Uh, quickly, some names. Tyler Chatwood, Miles Mikolos, who I guess some teams think could be the next yeah. Colby Lewis, and R.A. Dickey on a one-year deal. How do those things sound to you in Baltimore? I like Tyler Chatwood a lot. I like him a lot anywhere. He's the youngest free agent starter on the market at 28 years old. He's got, if you look at his home road splits from Colorado, his uh, Road splits of, I think it's the fifth highest, yep. best uh, road ERA in the game since 2016. Unbiased, I acquired him in a trade. I so know that. Freely yep. admit. He's a good athlete. He's got some Tim Hudson in there for me. He's a great gamble for the Orioles. Um, I don't know much about the Nicholas uh, guy that's coming back from Japan. You know, R.A. Dickey is what he is. You yep. know, he actually pitched the second half of the year extremely well. Uh, for the Braves, and he gives you innings. That's the one thing you know from R.A. is you're going to get innings. I really like Sabathia, though, for the Orioles. Right? Is there, is the there really, a, is there really a way to get him away from the Yankees? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know, but to me, he's like, you know, behind Gosman. You know, the bottom line is Gosman and Bundy need to take another step. In their yep. Partners. Gosman started to show that, but he's never done it for an entire season. He does, He needs to do that. But, you know, if you could slot a guy like C.C. third in the rotation, 
and then you use your dominant bullpen to protect him because Buck is just exceptionally good mm-hmm. at doing that. You know, I think then it takes the pressure off your ability to go ahead and fill out the mini rotation. But there's no doubt, Dan has got some heavy lifting. He's got a hole in the outfield he's got to figure out. Um, he's got to create some infield depth that he's got to figure out. I mean, he's got a lot of things to do this winter, and I don't think financially he can fill all of those. So he's going to have to be creative in how he goes about doing it. Last question for you. I know you read, like everybody, uh, MLBTradeRumors.com. The other day they had a piece where the Tigers are apparently interested in Chris Tillman and the guys that write those lead stories, not the, not the links there, but the guy there was projecting that the Tigers might consider a one year, $10 million deal for Chris <laughs> Tillman. Am I, was I off my yeah, rocker? I think he's to, got the I, one year, right? I'm not yeah. sure about the 10 million. Isn't Maybe he like he a three, isn't he a three? And starts like 35 games and yeah. pitches 200 plus innings. Yeah. Um, all incentive-based. I do think Tillman, if healthy, um, is a really good gamble for somebody as a bounce back. It's just that with a shoulder injury, stand, you know, I don't know I if know. you know he's going to be healthy, so that's why the contract has to be long. All right, but you agree with me. That's lunacy to think somebody's going to guarantee him ten, yeah, $10 million. Yeah. All right. That's lunacy. That's why it'll probably happen. <laughs> all right. Danny, uh, we know you'll be down in Orlando. I won't make yep. it this year, but have a great time, and I really appreciate your carving out some yeah, time yeah, for have, us. Yeah. Very Merry Christmas to you and your family, and I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thank, there he goes, Dan O'Dowd, MLB Network. Thanks, Dan. All right, and we are back there and uh, or back here with the wrap-up of the bat around. Some interesting things there, and I found it interesting, Craig. I know we were blabbing back and forth, but he mentioned CC Sabathia a couple times as a perfect fit for the Orioles. Then when I said, do you really think there's a way they could get him away from the Yankees? I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't know, but you know, you wonder whether or not what Sabathia did the second half of last year yeah. is enough to make the Yankees believe that. And again, you never know what the offseason workout program is. You never know what kind of shape he's going to come into spring training in. But with what he did last year in the second half, whether that maybe convinces the Yankees to take another flyer for a year. Yeah, I think he gets a one-year, like, $18 million deal with the Yankees. It, you know. it could very well, and if that happens, then <clears throat> there's another veteran presence in that starting rotation uh, to go along with Tanaka. And, and perhaps and, Otani. Perhaps Otani, yeah. yeah. With uh, Montgomery, uh, Sonny Gray they picked up. Right. You know, the Yankees are, they are. Severino. Yeah, and, Aaron know. Boone's uh, inheriting a pretty formidable well, team. And, and that's the other part about the Aaron Boone hiring. He is not unlike uh, Matt Williams in, in that regard. He's unlike not unlike Dave Martinez in that no managerial experience at the major league level, but he's being given a team that's ready to win. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Um, uh, interesting uh, discussion there with him about, I, I thought he candidly just gave me a quick one-word answer. I was expecting to get baseball speak about uh, the Angelos uh, medical you know, treatment yeah. of, of, of pitchers. Uh, I said, would you, if you were the agent for Lynn – Cobb or or Jason Vargas, would you allow that? He goes, no, no, <laughs> no. Unless they're the only offer. Yeah. So I think well, you can. I, I, I think you can pretty much. I'll give Jason Vargas one 
shot that the Orioles might be willing to go a second year on him Mm -hmm. where nobody else is, but I don't think that's the case either. I don't think that's the case either, and it's a telling uh, thing when you have a guy like Dan O'Dowd uh, sitting there saying that about the Orioles, and, you know, why would you put yourself through that? Right, right, right. Uh, so anyway, that does uh, wrap up our show for today. Baseball we- m- winter meetings start next Sunday, I guess the tenth. Or, or do they say the do they say the meetings start on Monday? Yeah, basically on Monday. All right, but everybody's showing up on Sunday. Yeah, I know we're going to have Rich Dubroff on with us. We're also going to have Josh Sirocco on with us. Uh, so we'll do some heavy Oriole perspective stuff next Saturday. Uh, have a great week ahead. All right. And thanks to Bonsatufa. And we thank you for listening to The Batter Round.